Due to the global supply shortage, this episode of Triple Click is running a little late. You can expect it around December. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week, we are talking about Deathloop, a video game about traveling through a time loop and causing as much death as possible. Did we like it? I think so. Let's go. I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Kirk Hamilton. And I'm Maddie Myers. Hello. It's us. And hi. It's us. It's us. The three of us. We are back. It is us. It is. Mm-hmm. What's that that line in Undertale? You look in the mirror and it's just you. <laughs> you um, look in the Skype call and it's just us. <laughs> and it's just it's, us. It's, as far as we know, it's just us. You that's look true, in your true. podcast app of choice and it's just <laughs> us. Speaking of us, did you know hey. that you can support us by becoming a Maximum Fun member, TripleClick is entirely listener-supported. We do not it have is. advertisements. We get, uh, we are able to do the show because of contributions from all of you fine listeners. And you can support us by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. If you do so, you don't just get that warm, fuzzy feeling that comes with uh, supporting your favorite podcast. You also get bonus episodes every single month, yeah. including... This most recent one, which we ran this week about Half-Life 2 plus Half-Life 2 Episode 1 and Half-Life 2 Episode 2. And uh, not Episode 3 because that doesn't exist. But uh, but Epistle 3 yeah. and Half-Life Alex, A lot of Half-Life lots stuff. Of, lots of good stuff in there. Yeah, that was a really fun yeah. a really fun Beans cast that we did. So you can get access Bless. to that if you're a member. And lots of other cool stuff. So... Uh, big thanks to all of you who support the show and to those of you who listen to the show without supporting it. That's cool, too. Uh, just tell your friends, spread this show far and wide. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get on with it, shall we? Kirk, Maddie, we have all been playing a video game. There's something very exciting, always exciting about the uh, uh, the time when a new game comes out and all three of us are playing it at once. It's just a lot of fun. It is. It's true. It is. Let's do it, shall we? Today it's time for a triple play. And this week's triple play is death loop death loop mm. is the loop developed by arcane studios <laughs> specifically arcane Lyon in france um it is published by bethesda aka microsoft's bethesda which makes it which gives it the interesting distinction of being a ps5 exclusive that is published by microsoft which is a very funny thing because it was it was uh, uh the agreement to make it a console exclusive on the playstation was set before microsoft bought bethesda which is is uh, pretty funny. We are definitely mm-hmm. in the kind of weird in between period of that of that deal. Though it is also on PC, yes. and that word exclusive. Yes, it is also on PC. Whatever yeah. I played on, we all played on PC. I think so. we all played yeah. it on PC. Yes, yeah. we it did, is that on yeah. PlayStation and PC? Um, we all got codes for it, by the way. Oh, we did. Or I guess I'm playing it on a press account, but you got it. Yeah, I'm playing. I mean, I would never. I haven't gotten a code from Bethesda in eight years. <laughs> you know, Bethesda. <laughs> right. Bethesda right. still blacklists me, even though I went mm. to a, a, a Bloomberg. Well, they aren't blacklisting me over at Polygon, no. so. So you got a code from them. (laughs) No, no, no. Well, it's it's a me specific thing. It's because I did all the stuff. Yeah, you were the the, the you were the specific offender. It's not that they like go after every like ex Kotaku employee. It's just me specifically. Although they are still blacklisting people who currently work at Kotaku. This is really off topic, but just in case people were curious about the state of the Bethesda blacklist, it's interesting. (laughs) I do think. I do think it doesn't get talked enough about enough that a major video game publisher has blacklisted a game, one of the biggest gaming websites for years and years, and people just continue to cover them like as if things are normal. It's just a very strange, strange thing. But anyway, that's besides the point. We still 
uh, for the we as long this. as the blacklist is gone. Well, I was gonna say for as long as the blacklist is gone, I have done my best to cover Bethesda's games as fairly and as honestly as possible. Despite that, um, which I think is a professional thing to do, and we will do the same right now. Let's talk about Deathloop, a fascinating game. Um, I have many many opinions on it. I think we'll all go around and give our impressions, um, starting with. Uh, how much you finished so, or how much you've played of the game so far. So, Maddie, why don't you go first and give your overall impressions? Sure. So I have completed the game and I also watched stuff on YouTube. I've read a lot of Reddit theories. I've gone as far mm-hmm. into the deep end as you can in terms of death loop completion, I think. I haven't gotten every achievement, but you know what I mean. I feel like I know what I'm talking about with uh-huh. the lore You're of this a death game. loop master. You're a death loop <sighs> Maybe too much. Maybe I went too far in. Uh, so I enjoyed a whole lot of this video game, more than I thought I would, because I'm not a stealth person. People remember from the Hitman episode that that was a real challenge for me. And this this death loop is very much a Kirk Hamilton game and not a Maddie game. And mm-hmm. there were definitely a lot of moments when I was shooting my way through situations that I do not think Deathloop necessarily wanted me to shoot my way through, but I just found a way to do it anyway. And you can kind of get away with that for a lot of the game. But then anytime I had to do a stealth mission, I would struggle with that. So I took about 22 hours to beat it. Jason, I believe you said you beat it in 14. So that's sort of the range of what you can do if you're, I assume you played it like stealthy the whole way, or did you shoot your way through situations as well? Yeah, mostly. But I'll talk about my experiences when we get to me. I want to hear your overall thoughts. So... I felt like the first few hours were super hard. This is not an uncommon experience with Deathloop, by the way. It took me a while to get my bearings. You're stuck in a time loop. You're this guy named Colt. Very funny guy. Talks to himself a lot. Also talks on the phone to this woman, Juliana, who's trying to kill him and preserve the time loop the entire time. Mostly their relationship plays out in these funny little phone calls that they have. And as Colt, you... So you're reliving the same day over and over again, Groundhog Day style, except eventually you figure out ways to preserve some of your guns loop to loop. And you also get these like cyborg implants. They're not literally that, but I don't know what else to describe them as the slabs that give you superpowers and you can preserve those eventually loop to loop. And as the game goes on, more things fall into place. You get to know each of the different maps that you explore, like the back of your hand. So at first you're like, I don't know where the hell I'm going. But then eventually you're like, oh, Uptim, I've navigated this place a billion times. I know exactly which dumpsters to hide behind and which guys are going to be where and which lines of dialogue I've heard 600 times. And by that point, you feel like a freaking master. And by the time you get to the end of the game, you are a god and you undergo the perfect time loop and... Because the whole point is that you're trying to escape, but escape the time loop. And the only way to do that is to kill the right people. So you break the time loop by going out and killing these visionaries, they're called, who uh, have created this thing. And you learn more and more about them as you go. And so the perfect time loop you're talking about is where you can you figure out how to kill all eight in a single day without the day going back in time and repeating. Because that's more challenging than than you would think, since they're all in Mm -hmm. different locations. And the puzzle box aspect of the game, I found very satisfying. I thought it was super fun to set up the pins and knock them down. I liked all the mechanical aspects of the game. I liked the story at first, but then didn't like the ending. But we're not going to talk about that on this show. But I will foreshadow my thoughts on that by just saying I was kind of let down by the end. You were let down by the end. I still mostly like the game. 
I want to know what Kirk thinks, though. Yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, uh, that's an arcane, an arcane trend. A lot of people dis- get disappointed with their endings. Yeah. Prey had one of the worst endings in modern memory. Kirk, what are your thoughts on Deathloop? I love this game. I mean, it's not probably surprising. Start, since- start by how far you are, by the way. Um, I'm gonna start by saying that I like the game, and then I'll tell you how far I am. Okay. I really like the game. <laughs> no! I played probably I played like 16 <laughs> hours of this game. I haven't finished. I'm getting there. I'm really taking my time. I mean, I've seen play times go up into the 30 hours. They're like they're, some of my Steam friends. I, I'm assuming have finished the game in like 34 hours. So you can play this game a lot more than just blasting through the story because there's a ton of pretty cool optional stuff. And I'm playing with all the waypoint markers turned off. That's the one HUD adjustment that I've made that I think maybe both of you made. Or Jason, I know you said you made it as well. I really recommend that for people playing this game. No, I said people should make it because I regretted not making it. But I'll get to me. Oh, I see. Okay. So, yeah, I turned that off really early. I do that in all of these games. And um, it makes a huge difference. I think it makes for a very, very different kind of a game, which is much more of a sort of slow-moving detective game that's a lot more confusing and opaque than it would otherwise be, but uh, but that's okay. And I turned on subtitles pretty a little ways in, and that has made the game a lot less opaque because, man, it really feels like getting thrown into the deep end at first in terms of the story. There's a lot of names to keep straight, a lot of just lingo and, and sort of scientific pseudoscience jargon about this time loop and the way they engineered it and the company that did it and your role in it and everybody else's role in it. And so... It's kind of fun to just feel like, wow, I'm in the middle of this time loop. All this wild stuff is going on. And now I just need to kind of slowly swim toward the surface from these depths. And so I've enjoyed that experience quite a bit. And I'm just kind of exploring, figuring things out. So I've got a few people kind of dialed, a couple of their storylines dialed to where you figure out, okay, well, if I like sabotage this guy's experiment, then he won't stay and do science. So he'll go to the party later tonight so I can kill him and the other guy at the same time. And that means I don't have to go to this location or that one. So that's kind mm-hmm. of the pre- the like narrative problem solving you're doing. In terms of the gameplay, I love the way that this game plays. So I'm playing on PC, um, and I've played every one of Arcane's games, both Arcane Austin and Arcane Leon. And I think this is a really interesting evolution in the way that they design games. So the big lesson in Death of the Outsider, which is the most recent game from Arcane Leon, it's a sort of expand alone. Uh, it's really just a standalone Dishonored game. The big lesson in that game was that you don't want to tie a morality system to killing people. So in the previous Dishonored games, they were very similar. These games are all very similar. This is basically a Dishonored game with guns. You get the Dishonored abilities, chain guys together, kill one, they all die. You get the blink. It's like feels and moves the same, same engine, same controls. So it's really a Dishonored game. It's just in a different kind of Bioshock-y sort of more modern thing, and you have a pistol. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and Destiny loot. Yeah, it does loot. have a little bit of loot. That's true. I mean, there are some differences, but it really feels like Dishonored. And it really feels like Death of the Outsider, which is a fantastic game. And it's so it was so fun playing that game and finally just being like, whatever, I can kill people or not kill people. It's all in just how I want to play. And this game really embraces that too, which is really smart. The thing they've learned and the thing that Deathloop builds into its narrative structure is that it's always more fun, at least for me to play these games multiple times. There's so many ways that you can achieve a given goal in a Dishonored game, like killing the guy, and there's all these achievements tied to them, and there's multiple, you can do the violent or non-violent path, and all this cool stuff, and those games get really rewarding if you play them a bunch, to the point where if you watch speedrunning videos of Dishonored players, they're like unbelievable, you know, like magic ninjas just flying through the world, you know, catching bombs in midair and throwing them back at guys and stabbing people. They don't touch the ground. They kill like 15 dudes in three seconds. And it's because they played the level a million times and memorized it, where a lot of people, I think, just play through the Dishonored story 
And then they're like, okay, well, that was cool. I beat it in like 11 hours and that's that, which is a much less rewarding way to play. I think it's so smart that they've built that loop in, which is something that Arcane Austin did in Prey Mooncrash, which is one of my favorite games of that year, whenever that was, it came out, which was a kind of roguelite, uh, similar kind of immersive sim with multiple characters where you died and restarted and kind of played through the levels over and over again and learned them with different abilities, which is something that you do here in Deathloop. So I think that they're really getting to something cool and it's been very it's been very satisfying to see their kind of design ethos reach a new level and i think this game is at a new level it's really really cool and i really like playing it so something else to that point that i think they've really like uh embraced with this game is uh that <laughs> a lot of people myself included tend to want to have the perfect stealth run and quick save and quick load over yes. and over again until if they screw up until they do that and that can be a frustrating way to play but it can also be like hard to pull yourself out of that once you're you have that mentality of like i cannot make any mistakes got to yep. got to hit f5 got to restart um and so what they did in this game which is smart was they took that hitman um structure of just having these missions that like well i guess hitman lets you save so that's not a bad comparison but they took kind of more like a roguelike I mean, concept I mean Mooncrash like, Mooncrash yeah, is moon really crash. the relevant but like, thing essentially there. you cannot save when you're in these loops yeah. there isn't really much too much of a penalty to dying other than like losing anything you haven't infused so if you got a cool slab or gun or something you'll lose it but otherwise and the humiliation of having Juliana make fun of sure, you sure Juliana makes fun of you. <laughs> yes but yes. but the point is that like if you if you get uh, spotted and like five guys are going after you you're not incentivized to just kill yourself and reload you're incentivized to stay right. alive and to really see it through which i think is a smart design which is choice. a really fun way to play dishonored as well but it took for mm-hmm. me it took me a lot to really force myself through that and even still i would save scum well as you alluded to you feel like you're doing the wrong thing if you kill people in dishonored because your chaos level goes up well but not like, in death of the outsider which that was how i played death of the outsider right right, right, right. i'm saying yes so the first couple of design the two first two dishonored games mm-hmm. you feel like the game really does not want you to kill people in this that you're not penalized at all for killing people so it's like you're kind of incentivized to just stay alive and gun people down um i almost felt like it was a little too easy as a result of that but i'll get to that in a sec um so my overall impressions i finished the game in 14 hours and you guys will notice that seems like a low number and kirk it's almost like similar to what you just said about going through dishonor and just seeing the story and that's it because that is very much how i played this game Mm. was i followed the waypoints and just saw through the story and i kind of i guess i was under the impression that it would branch out or open up more than it actually did but no if you're following the waypoints and you follow all the visionary leads which is this menu screen you can see that'll tell you like okay here is what how you kill each of these people and you track down the best way to do it um if you follow that it'll just lead you through how to do the perfect loop and then take you to the end of the game without you having to think or do anything like to the point where this is like the mission stories in hitman are kind of the same where they just tell you what to do yeah Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. It's basically that. And it'll just like, yeah, it is like the mission stories in yeah, him. And it just idea. walks you through every single piece of it. And I guess I was expecting it by the end. I was a little let down by the end because I expected it to be more of, I expected there to be more choice and more of, um, I guess, a simulation, more of an immersive sim in how you actually saw through breaking the perfect loop. But no, yeah. it turns out there's only one way to do it. And the mm-hmm. game just heavily holds your hand to the point where even when you're doing that last cycle the game is telling you exactly where to go it's like 
okay, gotta go do this first. Don't forget to do this. And it's like leading mm-hmm. you the whole way, which is why I highly recommend that if anyone is playing this for the first time that they do what Kirk is doing and turn off waypoints. But even then, the game just is so, so... um handholdy like it, it's really just leading you by the nose the whole time in a way that I was a little let down by by the end of things um so yeah Kirk I'm, I'm curious to hear you look like you have something to say and I'm curious to hear more about your perspective playing it without waypoints do you feel like you actually have to use your brain to like figure out okay um if I sabotage Frank's fireworks then he'll be at this point here but I have to do this first and this for like or do you feel like it's the game is still holding your hand even without using waypoints I think I think the game is providing a lot of guidance in terms of the sort of narrative specifics of what I'm doing. And there isn't, I can tell, it's just very clear to me that there isn't any freedom in terms of how to actually execute the loop. Like when Charlie and Fia are going to be together, they're going to be in one place and I have to engineer it so they're in that place Mm -hmm. just because there's no room for flexibility because it's so complicated getting however many, is it eight? However many fully yeah. targets there are into the same places to make it work in 24 hours. It'd be pretty remarkable if there were flexibility given how complicated a sort of full scenario that has to be. But playing the game, I feel a whole lot of freedom just in how it feels to explore and to learn those things that I have to do, even if I understand that the thing I'm going to have to do is going to be pretty prescribed. So you know, going through the level and just figuring out how to kill each visionary the first time has been really fun. Like Fia's level, Mm -hmm. she's hidden in this whole weird art installation. And I was kind of looking at what I needed to find and it's different pieces of art on the wall and they each have clues. And I was like, okay, well this one, oh, all right. It's like in the elevator shaft. So I go to where there's an elevator shaft and looking around and I find it. It's a lot of feelings like that where I'm just reading a clue and then figuring it out, which is a really fun way to go. And there's also optional stuff that I've found. Charlie has made these little games in each mm-hmm. level and there's there are some where I, I don't even know there's just a lever that I pull and then I'm like oh okay that like set off a timer for this le- lever and I have to get to that one and I'm kind of solving a big room sized puzzle just to get a cool gun or something which doesn't really have anything to do with the narrative yeah they, but the guns are never the rewards are always extremely disappointing for all that optional content unfortunately but the puzzles are really fun but the puzzles and, are really cool yeah 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 so, well, so okay so Sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, just some of those some of those puzzles remind me of the kinds of puzzles that are in Dishonored. Like Dishonored 2 had that huge logic mm-hmm. puzzle you had to figure mm-hmm. out, which is this kind of yep. amazing moment in that game. Yeah, that was my favorite part of the game. There's stuff like that at the margins, and I'm not disappointed by the fact that the narrative itself isn't like as flexible as it could be, partly just because I understand the constraints that they were under to even make the whole thing work at all. And it right. would have been pretty crazy for them to pull off something more flexible. Yeah, and the attention to detail, it's worth noting, is like just beyond like compre like it's comprehension. Like they have this there's this one section, this is a minor spoiler, but whatever. There's this one section in Updom where there's a guy building a cannon, and if you go visit him like morning, afternoon, like evening, you will see the gradual progression of this cannon and it gets built and there's some fun things oh, really? that happen. And oh, that's like, cool. yeah, you can get a cool item if you like figure out the best way oh, to I'm deal with go it. Do but that. like there are a lot of things like that where like you'll see progression of things and you'll see things change that's the coolest part of the game to me so the problem that i had kirk even even uh and i think i would have ran into this even if i was playing without waypoints because this was this was ultimately my biggest problem with the game is that it is just too easy um once you get a gun and i got a gun pretty early with uh with uh suppression on it like a silencer on it 
you can just use that to just beat the entire game. Like between that and then the blink ability shift, it's called in this game, you are just teleporting everywhere, like taking out guys in a second. It, there's just no challenge. At least there wasn't for me, which is what, one, again, one of the reasons I beat it all in 14 hours, that final cycle, like there was no tension at all for me whatsoever because I just felt the entire time, like I, I was just blazing through it. And the only bit of tension that the game adds to it is that Juliana will hunt you and Juliana can be played by another player who will ruthlessly like come in and try to ruin your cycles for you. Um, I had to turn that off, though, because if you're playing online, you can't pause the game. And not being able to pause the game is not an option in a house with a toddler <laughs> in it. So um, I had to turn that off and use AI Juliana, which is not nearly as much tension because the AI is just kind of stupid. Yeah, she's not as good. Some of those players, though, are really tough. Like, I turned it on uh-huh. by accident for a little while, and nice. I was like, holy crap, is Juliana just suddenly really good? Like, what is <laughs> happening? I felt like mm-hmm. I was pretty good at this but she's like why hiding. is the computer teabagging me like the ai is like so good suddenly and then like i pause at one point That's and funny. i was like oh my god i'm online all of those were real people i'm so embarrassed now like they all just killed me it was incredible so yeah there are definitely people like i one of my steam friends um kirk since you were mentioning that like one of them's played for like 60 hours and she's just been juliana for like half of that like she's just getting in there and yeah, playing that's it multiplayer. A whole valid method of play is that people just do that. Yeah. Well, that's a whole. It's a different game, essentially. Yeah. I know. So I know there are a lot of people whose play counts are really high just because they're only playing the Juliana part of it and just enjoying the abilities and like hunting Colts mm-hmm. down in, in cold blood, which is like a whole other aspect of it that I haven't yep. done at all. But yeah, I. I would recommend not going online if you if you want to actually defeat <laughs> well, but Juliana that's easily. The problem is if you don't go online, then at least I found the game way too easy. I, I don't know about you, Manny, by the end well, of Well, I thought things. it was harder than you, but I, I don't really like stealth games that much. I get right. kind of bored, honestly. Like... <sighs> So Kat Bailey from IGN had this tweet where she was talking, she said something like, I never feel more aware of playing a video game than when I'm playing a stealth game. And I also find that true, although I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing, but you become so hyper aware of like video game animations and like repeating dialogue and like the quirks of the way a character walks and like, oh, they're sort of faced this way, but they can't really see me because it's a video game. And it's so unreal in a way that I don't think is personally very fun so I just all of those aspects of stealth I get bored by and I'm like I just want to break this and see what Mm -hmm. happens and mess around and have have a little more uh chaotic fun so I give into that temptation a lot even when I'm Mm. trying to be stealthy for a few minutes I'm like well what happens if I just like kills one guy in a bombastic way or like what if I just throw a grenade at those three guys they're right there I just got I gotta try it and then I do and then everybody's mad at me and it's I do the same thing fun. and I think that's fun <laughs> so I actually don't play this game as a pure stealth game like I I have a stealthy loadout and you're right Jason the stealth like a silenced pistol is almost game breaking or it just it's so it changes the game and basically puts you on the fast track toward victory just because it's so much better than that little nail pistol that you get at first and can mm-hmm. kill like I have it you know with perks that like kill people from like a mile away with a headshot and I'm playing with a mouse and keyboard. So it's just click, click, click and people die. But I'm playing with a combination. So you can equip two slabs at once, which gives you two special abilities, or at least that's what you can do where I am. Maybe you get the ability to get more later. Um, You do not. Another problem with the game, by the way. Yeah, you only ever Yeah, I'm surprised that someone might mod that in. I don't know, though. I think it's like a, it's kind of an interesting choice to just have the two. But who isn't going to have shift? That's the thing. It's like shift and then something else. Well, I think it'd be Mm -hmm. kind of fun, though, to play with like invisibility and I don't know, the thing that links people together, like to try to limit yourself. That could be fun. But I agree. I always have shift and then I always have 
have Havoc. And Havoc is an ability that just turns you into the Terminator and makes you really yep. strong. And yeah. there are some great perks for it. Like each time you do damage, it gives you more energy, so it lasts longer. And I just have that turned on, which is really my anti-Juliana, you know, uh, a weapon. Guard, like yeah. she just shows up and I'm like, all right, shotgun comes out, here goes Havoc. And then I just like mow her down. And I am also playing uh, offline because I do like <laughs> to be able to pause it. And also, I don't know, like, actually, Computer Juliana got me once because I had to go into the area where you do a, what's it called, a class pass, which is a thing that you mm-hmm. need to access certain doors. And then it, it turns off all of your slabs. And Colt, your character, has a slab, and that's the thing that gives him three lives. And yes. I kind of forgot. I feel like this happens to everybody. It's yeah, like, I everyone's forgot. done that at some point. I was like, oh, I just have three lives. And Juliana came in, and I was like, oh, this will be fine. Maybe she'll kill me. I'll just fight her. And she killed me, and then I just kind of came over because yeah, my slab just wasn't lose everything. Yeah. 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 Well, that happened to me with one of those, uh, uh, like, slab nullifiers. Oh, yes, like, the yeah. Yeah. nullification fields. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to be careful. So that stuff, I don't know. Like, I find the game to be a pretty fun difficulty. I agree that it's not hard. I mean, the AI is pretty dim. Which I don't know whether that's by design or not. It feels pretty ridiculous when you're like, it's very easy to just take people out one at a time. And Mm -hmm. I would say that it's a problem only in that it renders like the slab that links people, which is a really cool ability. Links a bunch of people together, you shoot one, then they all die, which is really, Mm -hmm. really fun when you pull it off. But it's so easy to just shoot them one after That's another the and they don't notice that it's kind of an I don't ever equip. It's not just that. You can even use it on uh, on the visionaries and oh, just yeah, take sure. them out immediately. Like when and, and obviously, Kirk, you know that like at some point you're gonna have Charlie and Fia together. And there's an whole a whole encounter designed there where like I won't spoil too much, but essentially like you're meant to I guess the game wants you to like take out one and then the other one panics and like does some things and like you're supposed to have this challenging fight against them. But if you use nexus on both of them you just snipe them down and like you don't even have to think now, about it but that i love that's great like that's no, the kind great. of stuff that's no. cool where you think of something and it works yes a hundred percent no it's great it's kind of a, an unsolvable problem like how do you balance the difficulty of a game when there's so many possibilities and so right. many different like like tools in your your toolkit um but i think the issue with this game i don't know maybe there are a few a few issues that are causing the difficulty balance but one of them is certainly that every single enemy you face is identical like they're all some of them might have sniper rifles and shotguns but like Mm -hmm. they all die to a single headshot and once you have a silencer pistol like we both said like it just breaks the game it's just over it's just like you can take out anybody and then that's on top of like from the beginning of the game you get this hack-a-ma-jig that lets you hack any turret in the game to use it against your enemies and that just like lets you break anything there's a lot of just like like super overpowered stuff that you get from the get-go and Maddie I'm sorry to, to, to make you feel like a bad game because you found a, you had a harder time care. at the beginning. Um, I certainly died plenty of times. Don't get me wrong. Like I got some game overs, lost some progress and stuff like that. But just overall, I was just disappointed by the fact that it just felt like there was no real tension for me Um especially in that final loop. That final loop really soured me on the. I thought the game ruled and I thought it was a brilliant game. And then that final loop really just soured me on the experience in a lot of ways. Um, To Maddie's point earlier. No, I know what you mean because it is true that up until that point, you can play everything however you want to play it. Mm -hmm, But when you mm -hmm. get to the final loop, you're kind of like, well, now that I've bashed my head against the wall in every single one of these missions before, multiple times in some cases, if you're trying to perfect killing a visionary in order to like get the kill and make sure you did it right, 
by the time you get to the end, you're like, well, I already know the best possible way to do this. And that is the exact way that the game is telling me to do it. And I know where Mm -hmm. everyone is. And so I guess I'll just do the thing. And I I think it is supposed to make you feel godlike, but in practice, it is a little bit of a letdown. And I, I think it just has, it dovetails with the narrative issue as well, where it just which I won't get into for spoiler reasons, but it just feels like a triple A game problem where it's the end of the game. So everything has to railroad you to the credits. And like, so there needs to be a conclusion whether or not it's earned. And it just ended up making me wish that I could just stay in the loop and keep enjoying it, which Uh is also kind of a theme of the game, but maybe not the intention of the ending. It's interesting because it sounds like this is as much. This is weird because I'm like postulating about why you didn't like an ending that I haven't well, we'll seen, tell you and if I you're don't right want to get spoiled. But I do have a thought <laughs> that is maybe interesting, and it's that this seems like a narrative issue because Outer Wilds, a game that the three of us love, that we're going to be talking about a lot more on the show in the future, does the same thing. When you do the true final loop of Outer Wilds, true. there's only one thing that you can do. It's a series you're of right. events, and you have to be actually very, very careful. It's even a little bit it's frustrating. A lot harder. Yeah, it's it pretty hard harder, to pull yeah. off, but you have to like follow this exact thing. But the ending of that game rules because the narrative payoff, which I also won't spoil for anyone who hasn't finished, That's is just beautiful right. and amazing. So it could yes. just be that it's not so much the fact that it's prescribed, just as what actually happens and the ending. Well, there. So there are three endings, um, Maddie. I don't know if you knew that or. Oh, if you I've seen saw them all. It. You've seen them all. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's there's... a little like Death of the Outsider, which had multiple endings as well. Well, there's one that is like clearly meant to be the real ending, and it's the most satisfying one, and that's the one I got actually. That's interesting. I wonder which one you think that's the case for. Well, because I don't <laughs> we'll, agree. <laughs> we won't spoil it. We'll table this and maybe maybe talk about it on the on the triple click Discord or something. But I will say, just to go back to speaking broadly about the narrative and not about the ending, the narrative isn't really the thing that's grabbing me with this game. I like the incidental writing. I think that a lot of the yes. the journals are really fun. The characters are all the these text kind of, logs, yeah, the chat logs very, very are funny. so funny and so worth reading. So right. all of the visionaries, well not all of them, but several of them are like horrible rich people who've just decided they want to live on this island in a time <laughs> Alexis, forever because the they, think they deserve that. <laughs> and Alexis is basically like this sort of Elon Musk type yeah. character who like wears or a Martin, wolf Martin mask. Shkreli, and, Martin Shkreli yeah, or Martin Shkreli. Yeah, he's just abysmal and hilariously written. And like Charlie, the game designer. I mean, what game designer doesn't like putting a fake game designer in a game so that they can make fun of themselves? Like there's sort of this laser tag level with obviously real death happening in it. And so you can run around and hear Charlie's robot that he's designed, like talking (laughs) about how great the game is and how Charlie's a mastermind genius. And it's amazing. One of the best is when um, Charlie has a thing that's a time challenge. And he's like, sorry, this was a time challenge. I know those are kind of out of fashion right now, but hey, I'm (laughs) Charlie. I do what I want. Anyway, yeah, it's it's delightful. I really enjoyed the the brief moments with all the visionaries. And I have seen some people complain that the visionaries aren't even deeper characters. And I don't Mm. think I agree with that. I feel like they're perfect. I feel like you spend just as much time with each of them as you need to. I didn't need more from any of them. That wasn't my personal disappointment with the ending. I do feel like the visionaries are like really well drawn and super funny and work great as 
sort of caricature villain types who you're going to have to kill off no matter what. Like that is, Mm -hmm. you need to kind of want to kill them. Although actually Igor is kind of a tragic one. I mean, I like that all of them are are different and you kind of learn about each of them and and have different motivations in each case. Some are more assholes than others. Yes, definitely. (laughs) But that's as it should be as well. If you're going to introduce eight characters that that the player needs to get to know on some level, they can't all be deep. So with the writing, it's like, I like it on that level. I just think the writers are very clever. Like, this is a very clever script. Just having Wenji, Wenji's a great character, duplicate herself, and her different duplicates are having conversations about the other duplicates. Like, there's just all these ideas of sort of, how can we have fun with this premise and with this weird, wacky science Extremely island Extremely having, yeah, the developers clearly had fun with yeah, this. Yeah, and with, yeah. of course, with Colt and Juliana, I mean, their dialogue is so funny. We talked about this some... Um, on the villains episode, I just recently had one where he's they're kind of taunting each other. They always have their conversations at the start of a new level, and they just sort of do a quick back and forth. And he's like, yeah, well, you're... And she just hangs up on him, and then he finishes what he was saying. And he's like, man, that's why she thinks I'm not cool. She misses all my best material. Like, he's always trying to prove that he's cool. Anyways, all of that stuff is really fun. In terms of the bigger mysteries and the, the timey-wimey, you know sort of wibbly-bibbly of it all. Like, I, I'm not that... What is it? Wibbly-wobbly timey-wiminess of it all. Yeah, I'm not yeah, that yeah. interested in any of that or, like, the bigger lore stuff or just even the, the bigger story, like, who Colt really is. It's just... Yeah. That stuff doesn't... I don't really care. So I guess I'm not really playing it for that. And I feel yeah. like that's a good frequency to meet this game on. Well, that's the thing. That's a good kind of microcosm for the entire game, which is that this is a game that excels at the little details. I mean, even just, like, being able to explore and, like, find um, people just like egging other people on to kill themselves because they'll just wake up because it's a loop or just like like some of the conversations are just incredible and hilarious and like like the party and like all of the the ways that they took I remember um, in a screenwriting class once back in college uh, there was this whole concept of like you want when you have you have this concept and then you want to just like ring it for everything you possibly can like you take every single possibility and you show it and like uh, something like Groundhog's Day is a perfect example of that. You have right. this time loop concept. You show every possibility. And in this, they did the same thing. They took every possibility you could think of of like living on this pleasure f- pleasure palace of the an candy. And like, they don't eat food. Oh they my God, only the eat candy. candy. It's, yeah, they <laughs> so all eat candy, candy everywhere. <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's um, good. That was a good just one. like the partying, the hedonism, just everything yeah. about it is just so well done. And how they all seem bored and kind of bummed because actually it yeah. would suck to live well, on the island actually, like that Yeah, because actually yeah. hedonism isn't all that it great. It would, although none of them know how long they've been there. Like only (laughs) Colt and Juliana are capable of retaining memories. Um, And even then it's kind of dubious as to like how and how long that lasts. But all the Mm -hmm. other characters think it's their first day on the island. And that's like a key part of how they all operate. And I think is Harriet the name of the like cult leader character you meet? Where she, like you get to hear her cult leader speech a billion times if you're trying to kill her and you're not good at it as I was not good at it. (laughs) That's a tricky one. That, yeah, that, that gas, the whole room fills with poison gas, gas and yeah. I, I was always trying to go in the vents like Samus and I feel like I was never fast enough but anyway it doesn't matter so she gives this whole speech and she's like every other day we're going to have like a hedonistic party time but today <laughs> is a chaos day where we kill each other but of course every single day is the chaos uh-huh. day where they kill each other and like uh-huh. you know that but all of them don't know that and they all think like oh well tomorrow is going to be great and you like get to yeah. overhear them all talking about yeah. how like 
like, oh, yeah. tomorrow's going to be really sweet. Like, we're just going <laughs> to vibe. And it's like, you're never going to vibe. You're going to feel no, like shit never every single day for the Sorry, rest of buddy. your natural lives. And you have <laughs> no idea. I just, I, little touches like that are really fun. And you kind of put it together as you play where you're like, wait a right. minute. Every day is chaos day. Fuck. Like, that's crazy. That's not good. Yeah. So, so I guess that's the point that I was making is that this and everything about this game kind of works perfectly on this like detail oriented, like small microcosmic level. Whereas if you just look at the overarching stuff, some of it doesn't work as well, including um, the overall loop at the end of things and some of the story stuff and like some of that stuff. But if you're just enjoying this game, like, and, like moment, how does it work? And yeah. Well, don't that's think another, about it. other questions. There a lot of metaphysical questions. Some of it is answered through like lore and stuff, but but yeah, I think on a moment to moment level, this game rules, and I really enjoyed playing it. Um, I just yeah was left disappointed by some of the bigger overarching stuff. Yeah, yeah, its ambitions are interesting. I mean, it really has a lot in common with Bioshock. Just the overall vibe, the way that Rapture feels, full of splicers, people who are having a big weird party and seem trapped in this one moment in time the like science gone awry in this isolated location. This really feels like Bioshock in so many ways. Which which Bioshock game do you think it's similar to? Well, I just mean like the the vibe of the game, I guess. I don't know. Like I'd have mm-hmm. to think. I mean, it's a little like Bioshock 2, I guess, because in Bioshock 2, the mechanically... Well, the aesthetic also is very similar. Yeah, right. But uh, the, the one thing, and I, I this is actually a thought I had that you just made me think of, Manny, when I was playing the game, but just that you would get invaded by a little sister or a big sister in Bioshock 2, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is a very similar thing. It's actually those fights are... Bioshock 2 is an underrated game. It's really fun. And it's similar to when Juliana in, invades. It's like a really tough fight that you just have to put up with. That happens uh, system like systematically throughout the game and not in the scripted way, but no, it's just that that energy, like that that same feeling. But Bioshock is very concerned with narrative and character and like tragedy and these kind of operatic heights of you know this this grand ambition thwarted and all of this like really dramatic stuff that makes it a very memorable game. This game is like way more Saturday morning cartoons. You know, you're just looping around in time. And like the cutscenes, those little animated cutscenes, I mean, the whole thing just feels much more bouncy and light, which I don't personally feel, at least at this moment in time, is a mark against it at all. Like Bioshock was cool, and that's why that game lingers, and maybe Deathloop won't linger in 10 years or something, but it's really fun, and it kind of works for the tone that it's going for. It might. I mean, Deathloop doesn't take itself too seriously, and that's awesome about it, to your point. Yeah. Um, If anything, I wish it took itself even less seriously, because I mm. feel like it shines a lot when it's funny, and the moments when it tries to say something grand about the nature of human existence or mm-hmm. love or whatever are the moments when I'm like, this is not it, y'all. Mm-hmm. Like, you needed to just stick mm-hmm. with the goofy stuff and just be a fun video game because that you're very good at. Like, get Got get it. me back to Alexis telling a weird joke about how his party is going to be so wet and Wenji should definitely go. <laughs> like, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 that stuff I was totally here for, but. Well, where I think Deathloop will linger is that the structure of this game is really unlike the structure of anything I've played before. Like, there's no other game that, there are games that do time loops, there are games that deal with, like, causal effects of time loops, but there are no games that have you, like, like playing them in quite this way, where they're segmented in quite this way, and you have to figure out how to move the pieces between each segment in a way that like like Outer Wilds might be the closest but it's not quite the same. I mean I'll yeah. say again that anyone who really likes this game should
should play Prey Mooncrash because a lot of people didn't play Prey Mooncrash, I believe, including my two co-hosts on this show. And Prey Mooncrash is really good and you should play it. That is correct, at least in my case. I played like an hour of it, but yeah. I do like that unlike Outer Wilds, it doesn't, Deathloop doesn't progress in real time, which I would agree with you, Jason, makes it significantly easier. And I think part mm-hmm. of why I thought it was hard at first was that I didn't fully understand how permissive the game actually was. Mm-hmm. And I was a little afraid of like, oh, what can I do and what can't I do? And is this event just going to be progressing no matter what? And do I need to hurry right. everywhere I go? And then eventually I was Will like, this have oh, consequences, no, this won't actually trigger anything until I get to this mm-hmm. place or, or right. what have you. I mean, there are some events that unfold no matter what, but not not in the linear fashion that they do in Outer Wilds, where it's like every loop is, what is it, 22 minutes, something right. like that. And it's like, right. you just have to do things within that time frame and that's it for you. Whereas Deathloop a day, a morning could last forever if you just keep standing there, which makes no sense. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's not really a game that concerns itself with like causal effects the way Outer Wilds or the way Majora's Mask does. Like it's not right. a game where you are doing things that then influence the future because everything is resetting so so frequently and you're not like until the final loop, none of none of what you do, do really matters from, from morning to afternoon. To and night. you're just not on an actual timer. I mean, it's not concerned with right. time in the same way as those games so it's just like a very Mm -hmm. fundamentally differently designed game yeah Mm -hmm. it's very much like the sandbox that you're meant to play around with which is all cool um yeah i just wish that final section had just been executed a little differently Mm. um i just wasn't happy with the way that that all unfolded but other than other than that it's a it's a cool game um Yeah. yeah final thoughts before we before we take a break i think we all really like this game um maddie it sounds like you're the most down Well, I'm the most down, but I still recommend it. I sort of went through a journey in the past 24 Mm -hmm. hours since I beat it where I didn't like the ending. And then I watched a bunch of the cutscenes again on YouTube and I thought about them and I was like, I think I see what they were trying to do here, even though it didn't Mm -hmm. work for me. But I can see some of the ideas and they're cool. I just don't think they worked, (laughs) but I I get it. And I feel like there were enough things about the game that I liked that it's still worth checking out. If it sounds fun to you, just, you know, go in with the same spirit that you might've had when you watched Looper where like, you don't really need to have it make that much sense. And you're not going to think about it that hard and just don't worry about it. You know, just have a fun time and don't do what I did where you play the whole game, thinking about all the questions you have about how the science works and assuming that you're going to get to read a bunch of documents explaining all of it you don't do what i did because it's not gonna work out and you're <laughs> um, just gonna Maddie, be sad did you play prey no should i okay yeah well, does it have yeah, a horrible ending though isn't that what it you does. said at the beginning of this episode it does. it's an awesome <laughs> game though whatever who cares <laughs> the right. ending is, the game is so good it, but no <laughs> yeah. i was about to say that kirk i was about to say that a game rules but like yeah. the ending is you just have to pretend the ending doesn't exist or like stop like in the final act but yes that uh, game yeah. rules and then has just a terrible ending I mean, um, just finish it and who cares it's such a good game even if it has a yeah. weird ending <laughs> it is a great game it is a really it's good also game. fine if endings are bad i can just ignore that after a while and remember that the bulk of my experience was having fun with it and just be like oh well you know maybe they'll figure out the tone balance next time who knows prey has a lot of the tension that this game lacks um and it just has a lot of yeah prey's a really good game anyway let's take a break and then we we will be back with one more thing Annabelle Gerwich. And I'm Laura House. And we're the hosts of Tiny Victories. My tiny victory is that I sewed that button back on 
the day after it broke. We talk about that little thing that you did that's a big deal to you, but nobody else cares. Did you get that Guggenheim Genius Award? We don't want to hear from you. We want little bitty tiny victories. My tiny victory is a tattoo that I added onto this past weekend. Let's talk about it. My victory is that I'm one year cancer free, but my tiny victory is that I took all of the cushions off the couch, pounded them out, put them back, and it looks so great. So if you're like us and you want to celebrate the tiny achievements of ordinary people, listen to Tiny Victories. It's on every Monday on Maximum Fun. Are you riddled with guilt over your TBR pile? Are you filled with shame about a book that you just can't seem to finish? Are you having regrets because grad school killed your love of reading? We're Reading Glasses, and we're here to help. I'm Mallory. And I'm Bria. Let us absolve you of all your reading guilt. Stuck on a book you don't like? We'll help you dump it. Can't figure out what to read next? We'll recommend something in your wheelhouse. Can't decide where to buy your books from? We'll point you in the right direction. No matter what you read or how you read it, we'll help you do it better. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. And we are back. Kirk, Maddie, one more thing. Maddie, take us away. Okay, so my one more thing is a book that I read that is titled Bullshit Jobs, and it's by David Graeber. And <laughs> I don't read economic theory very often, but I really loved this. David Graeber is a very funny writer, and he wrote a book that is sort of an extension of a piece that he wrote in 2013 that went viral at the time. It was called On the Phenomenon of Bullshit Jobs. I think I remember and it's this. About it's about, um, I think he's from the UK, but this ends up being a phenomenon that is international, as he found out in the research for bullshit jobs. Like, I assume it's a United States thing, but it's actually something that happens in every society, seemingly, where there are these sort of middle class administrative positions where people just don't actually have that much work to do, but they have to pretend as though they're working for eight hours a day. And a lot of times they'll be blocked from like, doing anything fun during the day. Like they can't even look at Twitter or YouTube or whatever. They just have to pretend to work for eight hours and all they really have to do is send a couple emails. And you think like from the outside that this would be really pleasant and like, oh, you don't have to do anything all day. Isn't that what everybody would want? But it's actually torturous. And so David Graeber interviewed all these people who've had bullshit jobs about like their experiences and why they left. And a lot of them have become mm. like janitors and construction workers, like the guy in, at the end of Office Space. Right, like that's right. like a real thing that people go through where they're like, I need to feel like I'm achieving something in mm -hmm. life. I can't just have this job that is completely meaningless. Like people will huh. go out of their gourd. So if you're a listener and you have a bullshit job or you've ever had one, you should read this book because it's very cathartic and it's fascinating. And I also just liked it from a political perspective because I just cannot get a read on what this guy's politics are, hmm. which I think is really fun. Cause like he talks a lot about how, like if you're anti-capitalist, you would assume a bullshit job could never exist because capitalism is supposed to eliminate any job that isn't useful and doesn't make money. And that's leftists can't possibly hmm. acknowledge that these jobs exist. Whereas like communists, communist Russia would implement bullshit jobs simply to keep every single person employed. Right, and so you're right. like, okay, so I guess this guy's anti-communist. But then he like talks about how libertarians are also wrong about bullshit jobs and he's like <laughs> they assume that only the government has bullshit jobs and that a pure market would never allow for these jobs to exist so they don't believe me either and it just ends I up that's being a good like sign of a sociologist really funny yeah everything. where you're like okay like this guy is really challenging everyone's assumptions about how labor works and 
Reading it post-pandemic is fascinating. I don't know. I really recommend it. I cool. feel like I'm That's learning awesome. a lot. So it's called nice. Bullshit Jobs. That sounds good. By David yeah. Graeber. Cool. Uh, Kirk, what have you been up to? What's your one more thing? My one more thing is a game that I played with. Um, I played it before. I recommended this it game. Was, this game is on, on Maddie's recommendation. I bought this. I played this with Emily and a house guest we had over the weekend. Uh, it's Hunta Killer, which is the brand of these sort of, I would call it an escape room in a box. I think that's kind of how it works. And they do subscriptions where there's like five chapters and then each month they send you a new chapter, which is a bunch of mm-hmm. cool things to solve. This was just a one-off that you can just buy. This is Maddie's One More Thing a few months ago. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Maddie, it, this yeah. is your One More Thing, yeah. Yeah, this was this is on Maddie's recommendation. I decided to get this because her description uh, made it sound really fun, and it was really fun. So this one was called Death at the Dive Bar. I just bought it online. You can buy it straight from their site, and you can sign up for the bigger ones where you get the subscription, or you can buy old ones, and they'll still send them to you once a month. This was just took us a few hours to solve the to solve the murder. Uh, it's kind of like mm-hmm. a guy gets a guy dies, the owner of a bar dies, and then. Um, you know, his his employee thinks there's foul play and she reaches out to this investigator who you work for and they send you all her files. So then you just have this like mess of feelies. You know, if you if you know from feelies from the like PC games of the 80s and 90s where they'd give you a cloth map or a cool, you know, whatever else, like things that are supposed to belong to the protagonist. And they're all anti-piracy uh, <laughs> wheels. Well, and, and then, <laughs> right, they started using those for anti-piracy, but really just the feelies were always really cool. And there are still mm-hmm. game companies that do feelies now. This is just all feelies all the way down. So you've got, you know, photos from the crime scene and printouts of websites and dossiers on all the, the four suspects that you're trying to narrow it down between and maps and like flyers that were handed out. And everything is so well done. I was so impressed by just the level of polish and execution of this thing. So each physical object is just really cool and very authentic looking. Um, there's a little matchbook that looks like a real matchbook. The printout, there was a site, it's basically next door, but it's called goodfences.com, which is so yeah. funny. Like there's just a lot of really good writing in the world building where they've imagined these sort of alternate versions of things. The writing is all really great. It's all very like character based and the handwriting is all different. So it all looks really believable. Interestingly, it was set in the 812 area code, which is southern Indiana, and that's where I grew up. So the whole thing is set in a made-up town. Ooh, so the killer was you, and that I, was a surprise. <laughs> there's a point at which, and this is, I will not spoil anything other than this one thing that I do want to mention. There's a phone number written on the matchbook, and it was an 812 phone number. And the whole time, they're talking about Indiana. And then Emily is also from my hometown. So we're both like, holy shit, Like this is my area code. Like Our home number growing up was an 812 number and we were actually supposed to call the number which we didn't realize until way later and when you call the number you get a voice like a voicemail for the character who like whose number you're calling like confirming that you figured out who it was so I was really impressed with this I thought the writing was so good there was I think one writer on it and then there's kind of a team of people who made it but it was just really wonderfully written really clever really fun little mystery it was easy because it was the easy setting but I'd love to try a harder one so we're totally going to do more of these it was a great time anyone looking for something to do with like a group of friends there are settings in these so they're like handled differently depending on your setting 
Uh, yeah, there's like a difficulty for each um, thing you can get. So ours was marked easy, but I believe they, I don't know how many there are, but it definitely they could get a lot harder than the one we did. Oh, which, so you're saying this specific one was yes. an easy one. And yeah, I don't, you can't adjust oh, gotcha, it. Gotcha, no. gotcha. Okay, um, got it, got but it. But I really want to do a harder one. And I think it'd just be fun. Like, it, man, if you ever go on a vacation with another group of people and you're going to go out and hike during the day and then at night you do a new chapter in your mystery, I could just see this being such a good time. I really, really endorse it. Nice. I thought it was so fun. So that's Hunt a Killer. Uh, thank you, Maddie, for the recommendation you're welcome i'm so glad you liked it that's it's great it's really 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 cool cool so my one more thing is a little game called outer wilds <laughs> i've been playing the newly released expansion slash dlc for outer wilds called echoes of the eye so i'm just gonna and like go la 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 because <laughs> i don't kirk, wanna... <laughs> kirk earmuffs earmuffs kirk. Right, so you haven't played it at all yet neither of you have started it huh? i don't know what you're saying i'm just talking wow he's really doing it i'll listen he's actually has taken his headphones off kirk, <laughs> yeah, kirk is gonna there. have to edit this this part is on un- an unedited part of the show because jason and i are the all right fine i'll put them back on my headphones are back on okay i'm not gonna spoil anything i'm I know not you're gonna not. spoil anything I'm just going to say, okay, so Echoes of the Eye, I haven't finished it all. I played a big chunk of it, a few hours into it, and it rolls. It's brilliant. It's really good. But but there's a but. There's a but. Um, so, again, I, I just won't say anything about it other than, like, it gives you a, a cool new space to play in, and it's more Outer Wilds. And, to it's unrelated to the main – or it's kind of like a side thing. So if you know if you know the main story, there's, like, a big galaxy. And so um, solar this system, is just another yes. place. It's a big solar system. And th- this is just another place to explore. It's not related to, like, like the, the main story, so you don't need to worry about that. Um, they say that, like, having your ship log filled out with the, the original game will help you in some way, in some non-essential way. So I, maybe do that. I mean – if you haven't played Outer Wilds, you should definitely go play it. But anyway, it's it's a side, it's a self-contained side thing from what I can tell so far. Um, the new like location that you explore is just brilliant. It's like so clever and plays around with the game's mechanics, introduces mm. new mechanics. It's just mm. brilliant. It's such a fun time just exploring it. But 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 but. When you start out this DLC, there's a little blurb that is like, um, some elements of Outer Wilds may be intense. Like, you can turn off, you can lower your frights. You can click this menu option that is like lower frights to make it less intense if you don't want like a super scary experience. I I gotta say, did you lower the frights? The parts it's referring to suck so much that they made me legit want to stop playing and not play anymore. And this is like, scary. This is like one of my favorite games of all time. And to, for the DLC to introduce this new mechanic that made me not want to play anymore, it's got to be pretty bad. And yes, mm. it is pretty bad. Um, fortunately, it's like pretty late from what I can tell into what you will discover. Like you can discover a lot without before running into it. But it sucks so badly that I just like might not finish the DLC as a result of it. Um, Maddie, to answer your question, I did try that menu option. It did not really help um, as far as my own enjoyment. And I, I won't say anymore because I know did it do something like do you feel like the menu option like made a change I don't and know it just I couldn't, didn't... I couldn't oh, really oh, tell okay. hmm. um, okay. but Outer Wilds is all about exploration and discovery and finding things for yourself so I don't I want to be super vague about yeah. all this stuff but well, like, we're going to talk this... about this for sure like once we've yes. played it we may do a beans cast where we maybe talk we'll about even it. do a beans mm. cast well, well if, if we're all too scared to beat it 
that might inhibit our ability <laughs> to do that. I, but we shall see. <laughs> well, Kirk loves horror stuff, so he, he does. Might have so maybe he'll scream it. it, and we'll but just like, watch him do that. <laughs> the the combination the combination of like what this mechanic is and everything else in Outer Wilds. Like Outer Wilds is a game about exploring and being curious and like really taking the time to poke around with things and see what happens. And this mechanic discourages that. And it's like the opposite of that. And I hate it. But yeah, okay, that's it. That's all I'll say. But other than that, Echoes of the Eye, I mean, I don't want this to be like souring the whole thing because there's so much cool stuff in there. And like, like I said, the main space that you get to explore is just so good and like so quintessentially Outer Wilds that I just recommend it everyone should go play outer wilds regardless but this stuff is really cool and it makes for a good excuse to like revisit like hearing that menu music come up um Mm -hmm. just like i was like oh man this feels like uh very comforting uh hearing that music once again and just like going in and like going around and talking to all the hearthians very cool stuff outer wilds rules echoes of the eye um mixed feelings about it but most of it is brilliant um all right that is it for this week's episode uh, big thanks to everyone who subscribes go check out the beans cast half-life 2 um for everybody else we will see you all next week see you next week bye triple click is produced by jason schreier maddie myers and me kirk hamilton i edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music our show art is by tom dj Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org slash join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.